We are on Ksubis Samach Aleph Omer Aleph 61a towards the bottom. We will be concluding our analysis of this Mishnah uh, in this class. And we will begin the next Mishnah in the next class. Some of what we will be discussing now um, seems uh, a little bit of their time, of the times of the Gemara, different cures that they had in the times of the Gemara. Um, and so we will be going through some of this a little faster. Says the Gemara. This is the second uh, wide line of the Gemara. Amr Yitzchak Bar Chanini, Amr Rav Huna. Rav Huna says, "Hakol Mashim B'Pnei Hashamish Chutz Mibasar V'Yayin." That when one has a waiter, they're allowed to uh, wait for the waiter. The waiter does not have to be served um, and have food while he is um, giving out the food to uh, the to the people present, except when it comes to wine and meat. When it comes to wine and meat. So then he will have a strong desire to eat from the food as well. And therefore we want to be considerate and have uh, mercy and compassion for him. And so therefore he would be allowed to eat while he is, while he is serving. Amar Rava, Rava says, Basar shamin kolashan kulap, yain yashan biskuvas tamas. He says, this is really referring to fatty meat. Sorry, Chista says, it's referring to fatty meat, basar shamin yain yashan. And aged wine. And Rava says fatty meat applies the whole year. Aged wine only applies uh, during the season of Tamas, meaning in the summer, because of the heat, uh, the smell of the wine is more pervasive during that time, and therefore there's a greater desire for that. Okay. Omar Vanan Bar Tachliva, the son of Tachliva, said, I was one standing. In front of Marshmallow, and they brought him a cooked dish of mushrooms. Uh, and if they didn't give me any, I would have been in danger because I, these mushrooms were so enticing; it would be like dangerous for people. They, they would they would uh, suffer so much from it. Amar Vashi Vashi says, "Have a kamina kamedir of kahana vaisali gargalide the lifta bchala bilav diyavlei istakani." Ravashi says that he was once with Rav Kahana. They brought him. Slices of turnip and vinegar, and also the same thing. If he didn't have some, he also uh, would have been in danger. Papa Amar, Afilu Tamarta, Dahanunisa, even a fragrant date should be offered to the waiter. Claude de Mosa, Kol de Islay Recha, Kiwa. At the end of the day, anything which has an aroma or a sharp taste to whoever's present, um, so then they should eat from it right away because otherwise it's possible that they will suffer uh, from not being able to eat from these foods. Okay. In a related way, Amo Avua Barihi Minyamin Barihi, two of the Talmidei Chachamim, Avua Barihi and Minyamin Barihi, Chad Safi Mikol Mino Mino, Vechad Safi Mechad Mino. One would give the waiter only uh, from one food, from one type of food that he ate, while the other one would actually give from every type of food. And the Gemara says. That Eliyahu spoke with the one that Eliyahu Navi, Elijah the prophet, he spoke with the one who gave of every type, and not the one who only gave from one type. That if you give of every type, you show how considerate, how compassionate you are towards your waiters. So then Eliyahu, uh, as of as of merit for that, Eliyahu spoke spoke to him. Another incident, Hanu Tartin Chasidi. There were two, two pious men, Vamila, Rav Mari, Rav Pinchas, Bnei Rav Chista. Two rabbis, Mar Kadim Safi and Mar Ma'acher Safi. One would give the waiter something to eat before the meal, the other one would wait till 
after the guests have already eaten. The one who gave earlier, Eliyahu spoke with him. But the one who gave it later, Eliyahu uh, did not speak with him. Next case. Interesting case here. Amemar and Marzutra and Ravashi have a Kayasuya Pisla debate. Isgur Malka. They were sitting at the entrance of the king, King Isgur. And the following happened. Khalif Azil Atrunugda de Malka, the butler of the king, was passing by with all these foods. And Ravashi sees Chazar Ravashi de Marzutra de Chavar Ape. Ravashi sees that uh, he was craving for the food. And uh, his face was turning white and he was getting all sick. And this is a case of danger. So in a case of danger, what does Ravashi do? Shakal be'etzpai anach le'be'pume. So Ravashi takes some of the food and he sticks it into Marzuch's mouth. And he's, this is in front of the king. He could be risking his life. Some say that he's not risking his life. He's risking his finger. That uh, the punishment would be to remove his finger. And there's a whole discussion. Uh, Marzuch is in danger. His life is in danger. He, he's, he's suffering from not eating this uh, food. Ravashi essentially saves his life um, while... Uh, suffering himself. He's suffering himself by uh, having the potentially to suffer. He doesn't end up suffering. We'll see that their miracle occurs, but uh, he has he realizes that there could be severe consequences. He could lose his finger, but he still saves his life. So that itself is a big question. Is there a requirement to save somebody else's life when it's going to cause somebody pain? We just so is that uh, is that allowed? Is that not allowed? So back to the story. Amar lay. So they see that he he took some of the food. So the butler says, "What's what's going on here?" You just made the food spoiled. He'll never, the king's never going to eat from it now. So Amrulay, um, they, they basically ask uh, Ravashi, the, the soldiers ask, wow, why did you do this? He said to them that these terrible dishes was going was, uh, was to, uh, the one who actually made this spoils the food, king's food. It was spoiled already. Uh, that, that's what he said. There's already something in here which is which is spoiled, some sort of uh, some sort of terrible uh, 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 food. It was uh, some sort of infection w- would have been caused by it. Um, so Amrulay, they said to him, "Amai, like what was it?" Amrulay, Dover He said that he saw this uh, infectious piece of meat. So they checked and they didn't find it. Shakal say. But Ravashi takes his finger, he placed it into the food. Amalu, he says, Did you check here? Then they checked in that spot and they found the infection. Amalu, Rabbanan. The rabbis ask, How could he do My time is Anitza. Um, they asked Ravashi, You made a miracle happen. You made a miracle. How could you rely on a miracle for this? He says, how, The only reason why I was able to rely on a miracle was that uh, I already realized beforehand that there was some sort of problem with it. There was some sort of ruach uh, tzeras, a leprous spirit hovering over the food. And so I wasn't really relying on a miracle. I noticed that there was something wrong with uh, with that part of the food, I guess, because he gave it to Marzutra. So I guess that part of the food. And he did it to save Marzutra's life. Okay, another incident where we see that a person can really suffer tremendously by not having that food. They have such a desire to eat that food. Ho Roma, there was a certain Roman he said to another to, to a woman, Minasvasli, uh, will you marry me? And she says, I'm really low. No, I don't want to marry you. But what does he then do? He brings pomegranates. He peels them and he eats them in front of her. 
And this uh, smell of the pomegranates caused her mouth to water, and she swallowed all the saliva, and caused her uh, much pain. And he still didn't give it to her until she becomes very, very sick. She's bloated. She didn't give any of it to her. In the end, he says to her, If I cure you, will you marry me? So Amrla, yeah, of course, I'm going to marry you now. I, I need to survive. So what does he do? He brings the pomegranates again, peels them, and eats them in front of him, front of her. Um, he says, "All the survive they cause you anguish. Spit it out, spit it out." She does this until something like green leaf comes out of her, and she's cured. So that's the final story about uh, how food could cause a person so much pain. The Gemara continues and says that uh, the, the, according to the first opinion, we have three opinions that we're going to, in the Mishnah, that we will analyze right now. The first opinion says that if there are enough uh, uh, workers, so then she could, she could relax. Um, she doesn't have to work. She doesn't have to work. Except, that's all according to the first opinion. Rabbi Eliezer says no. That even if there's a hundred uh, maidservants, she still has to do something. And that minimal amount that she has to do is to make thread from wool. Uh, she has to do something. Why? Because otherwise it's going to lead to her becoming uh, um, uh, interested in other men and uh, it'll lead to sin. Uh, the final opinion is also says that she has to work because it's going to lead to her going crazy. She's going to be bored. We don't want her to be bored. We want her to be productive. We want her to be productive. So, But the example that's given of the work that she should do, the minimal amount of work that she should do is to make thread from wool. So like Mara says, but some in Pishim Lo, sounds like specifically thread from wool, but not from flax. Why is that? Must need some money. Who's the author of our Mishnah? Like Mara says, Rabbi Hudahi, the opinion of Rabbi Hudahi. We have the following b'risa, the Tanya. We do not. A husband cannot force his wife to serve her father-in-law, or to serve her stepson, or to put food, straws, before the animals, before the horses and the donkeys. But what could he do? But he could force her to put straw in front of the cows, in front of the cattle. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Rabbi Yehuda says, You can't make flax. Why? Because flax causes her mouth to smell and uh, also it makes the lips stiffen so you can't make flax uh, but you could make uh, wool and a specific type of flax a Roman flax causes damage at the end of the day the has to come from wool it cannot come from flax because flax uh, is worse for, for the wife it causes her to, uh, to smell her mouth smells and therefore we're not going to force her to do that okay Rabbi Lezer Omer, Rabbi Lezer says that uh, even if she brings a hundred maidservants, she still has to work. So the Gemara says, We follow this position. We follow the position that says she has to do something. She has to be productive. We do not follow the first position that says that as long as she has all these maidservants, she doesn't have to do anything. She can relax. No, we want her to be productive and therefore we will make sure that she's... It's a requirement for her to, to be productive and to work. We follow that position. And this is Rav Malkio talking. So on that note, the Gemara just points out uh, different statements. Was it said by Rav Malkio? Was it said by somebody else with a similar name? Amr Rav Chanina Bereid Ravika. Rav Chanina, the son of Ravika, says, Shafud Shvachos Vigumos Rav Malkio. These three cases, we're not going to go into so much detail about this. These three cases, 
was said by Rav Malkia. Beloris Afer Miklogvina Rav Malkia. It wasn't said by the other three. It wasn't said by Rav Malkia. It was said by a different rabbi with a similar name, Rav Malkia. Okay. Rav Papa Amr Masisa Masisa Rav Malkia Shmaisa Rav Malkia. Uh, okay, uh, Rav Papa says that the halachas above that have to do with a Mishnah Baisa was said by Rav Malkiah, but it was said by Amaraim, for times of the Gemara, was Rav Malkiah. And there's a sign for it, there's a mnemonic to remember it, the Mishnah is Malkiah, is a queen, so it's referred to as Malkiah. Malkiah, the Mishnah is referred to as a queen, and therefore it says, What's the difference between the different opinions as to who was the one who was referring to the maidservants? Our case is the maidservants. According to Rav Hanina, it was said by Rav Malkiyu. And according to Rav Papos, it was said by Malkia. Anyways, it's important to know who said what. We, we believe that uh, we have to quote the person who originally said it. It brings geula, it brings redemption to the world. It's a... Uh, very important uh, to mention it. And so therefore, the Gemara has a whole discussion. Who was the rabbi? Two different rabbis with very similar names. Who was the rabbi who said which, uh, which case? Okay. The Gemara then says, uh, The Gemara wants to know, what exactly is the difference between the second and third opinion of the Mishnah? Again, we follow the second opinion of the Mishnah. The second opinion of the Mishnah says that we want to make sure that she's productive. Why? Because we're, if she's not productive, she, then she's going to go off uh, to be with other men. And the third opinion says we want her to be productive because otherwise she's just going to be bored. So what's the difference between these two opinions? Hainu Tanakhama, it's the same opinion as the first, as, as Rebelezer. More answers, No, there's a difference. Because what happens if she is productive? She's not bored, but she's playing playing games. She's playing games either with uh, small dogs or she's playing chess. An example is given this chess. So that she's occupying herself, but... Uh, Therefore, there's no danger of her just uh, being bored completely. Uh, but it still might lead to being um, interested in somebody else. There's some, maybe she won't uh, be committed to her husband. She'll be interested in somebody else. That still might be a concern. Okay, that is the end of the Gemara. And we will continue with the next Mishnah in the next class.